Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Calm You Podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist and the author of The Anxiety Solution. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate the messages that you send me when people contact me on Instagram to say that they've been enjoying the podcast. That really means a lot to me. So please do get in touch if you've been enjoying this or if you've got any questions, you can find me at Chloe Butteridge. And I'd love it if you are enjoying these podcasts, if you would subscribe in iTunes and leave me a little review. It takes a couple of minutes, but it really helps to spread the word about the podcast and please share it with anyone that you think might benefit from it too. So I talk to Jane Evans this week, who is a childhood anxiety and parenting coach. She's an inspirational speaker. She's done a brilliant TED talk and she's an author. She's written a book called Little Meerkat's Big Panic and you can find that on Amazon, but it's basically one for children to help them to understand anxiety and give them some tools and resources to be calmer. And so Jane and I are talking about what trauma is and what we can do about our own trauma if we have perhaps experienced trauma in our own childhoods. We also talk about if you're someone who is thinking about having children in the near future, We talk about ways to ensure that you're not passing on your anxiety to your children, raising calm children. And if you've got children already, it's about how you can really help them to be calm. They might be struggling with things like anxiety and it's about how you can be the best that you can be for them as well. And just really knowing that if you're a parent now, know that you're doing your best. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. Everyone is doing their best. And it's just about educating ourselves so that we can be the best that we can be. So let's get into the interview with Jane Evans. So welcome, Jane. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Please tell us what it is that you do and how you got to where you are. Well, I do many things, probably like most of us. Uh, Primarily, I'm an international parenting coach. I also train professionals to understand the impact of early childhood trauma. So those who are working with children and young people, I write books, uh, do some TV and radio work, and it all relates back to anxiety, stress, and trauma. So everything that I do. Fascinating. And how did you how did you get into this work? How did you come to, to do what you do now? Well, as, as with many of us, by accident. So I had my son, he's 27, just got married. Oh. And yeah, and um yeah, had him, had always had a bit of a funny old career until then, doing random jobs and traveling. Uh, then when I had him, after I kind of got over the shock of it, I realized, oh, I get this. Not not how to be a great parent, but I get children. So it, it drew me into that world. And then, of course, once I was there, I started realizing, oh, my goodness, so many of the, ch- the children are stressed and anxious. And then, of course, I looked at their parents, same thing. Um, So it started me on this journey of curiosity about why. What is lying behind this? Why are people behaving like this? Uh, Then I became, after quite a while of working with families, I became a respite foster carer. And part of the process, I was told to start reading about early brain development, the impact of any level of trauma on a child's developing brain, and um, the power of relationships and attachment. So I pick up my first book, start reading it, nearly fall off my chair because I realized this is totally what I've been working with for 10 years and also started relating it to myself. And, um, you know, then it all it all begins to make sense when you start literally lifting the lid and looking inside at brain and body and also the history of the brain and the body, our, our own histories then um, yeah, anxiety and stress that just, it just makes sense. And then 
And then I've kind of carried on from there, being a bit of a geek and getting more and more geeky and looking more and more at the science to really get, so what do we need to do? And that's kind of where I am now. So interesting. And for people that don't perhaps know, what is trauma? Because I think when people hear the word trauma, they, mm. it's quite a scary word, actually. But I think it's more common than we think it is, maybe. Can you explain You're what it is? completely on the money, Chloe. Yes. No, it is a scary word. And part of my mission in life is to, is to help people connect with it as a word and a truth and part of just who we are. Because, you know, we can keep running from it, but it, it is what it is. And I'd rather make peace with it and then use it as a stepping stone as we move forward. So what is trauma? Trauma is anything that repeatedly leaves a baby or a child in a state of emotional overwhelm. So fear, stress, um, you know, children cannot regulate their own feelings. So, for example, and I, and I know it's still practiced, but it was really common when my son was young, my son is 27, uh, controlled crying for, for sleep. So, you know, a lot of parents, and they're still told nowadays, uh, unfortunately, by some uh, sleep coaches, to leave babies to cry themselves to sleep. Now, sounds quite reasonable, but because we do have this amazing brain science now, we know that. What happens to the baby is they're in this really heightened state of distress and fear and I'm alone. They can't do anything about it. And if you leave them, then eventually the stress chemicals build up in their body and their brain so much that they literally are knocked out by them. Mm. But that's how they go to sleep in a state of stress and distress. Fast forward, I could probably go interview anybody on the street who has sleep problems, and I bet many of much of it we could track back to that. So that's a kind of common practice that nobody would perceive as trauma, but it is a low level of trauma. So it can be that small. Mm, okay, so it can be, it could be those classic big traumatic things like abuse or something, or it could be, you know, those smaller things that maybe add up to a big big trauma. I think, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that about being left to cry, because from my own experience, I was left to cry at six months. And my my mum actually talks about it quite a lot, about she's actually quite, I don't know, she, she thinks it's a good idea still, actually. It's a bit of a bone of contention between her and I. Mm. And because I, having done a lot of work on myself, have kind of gone back to thinking, actually, maybe this was part of why as a child and a teenager I felt very insecure and I had this mm. feeling that I wasn't loved and this sort of thing and yeah, actually my sense. parents are very loving but where did that feeling come from and I think it was these kind of very early experiences that really stayed with me um but I suppose I mean for parents listening you know because I'm, I'm thinking about having children in the next few years and I'm I like a lot of people who've had anxiety are thinking I really don't mm. want to pass this on to my children yeah. um what can people do to kind of ensure that they're not they're not doing that because it's it's such a complicated area but what do you think yeah no totally uh I agree and and I mean another thing that I would just mention as well is that many of us have grown up in households with parents who totally totally love us and loved us that's without question but were not very emotionally connected with us so that, that you know they they took care of us they made sure we did our homework they fed us they clothed us uh, they took us maybe nice places, all the rest of it. But because they're not very emotionally able, they didn't kind of have all the little conversations about all the little, um, you know, dust fairy. I wonder where they live and if they're really sad or really excited to be here, all that kind of stuff. So that also is really important to understand that because otherwise, like you said, Chloe, we're left in this space of, oh, what, how have I ended up like this? Anxiety is not random. Mm we can always track it back. Uh, well, not necessarily track it back, but there, there's a root cause. So, you know, I think sometimes that's helpful for ourselves. I, I too have suffered long-term anxiety, uh, but I'm free from it now because I practice what I preach. So um, preparing to have children, knowing that you have had a history of anxiety, in a way you have the heads up <laughs> because uh, many people suffer really badly with anxiety, but have no idea. So they will go on to uh, perpetuate the, the history of this. But if, so if I was preparing now, even a year, say in a year's time, I was hoping to start to get pregnant, 
I would be really seriously now taking how much I ground myself every day. And I'd be really focusing on cultivating multiple simple teeny weeny practices around down regulating my body system, calming my brain, because then chemically you're prepared to have a calmer pregnancy, a better birthing experience, and then be, be calmer when the baby is born. Because what we know now is that you, you know, you you will have a, a, a there isn't one gene for anxiety, but you have a collection of genes that are kind of function in a familiar way. And you may very well pass on that formation of genes to your child unless you start preparing now. And, you know, to me, that's really exciting. I would love to work with uh, parents like yourself, uh, potential parents, to let's get the groundwork in now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we know that otherwise you're more likely to have a, a stress-filled uh, pregnancy and whatever chemicals you are constantly releasing in your system, of course, are going through the baby's developing brain and body. Mm. So you can accidentally give birth to a baby that's actually quite stressed and anxious, but, you know, before you even kind of lay hands on them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, prepare now. Yeah. I find this topic so fascinating and I'm always amazed by, because for me as a therapist and, and someone who's had a lot of therapy themselves, it's mm. so obvious to me that things like anxiety originate in our childhoods and there's, you can always, as you said, track things back, but a lot of people aren't aware of that. They were never, we're not taught that. If, unless you've had a lot of therapy, you don't necessarily know that. And we get told things like, oh, it's just, you know, your genetics. Who you are. It's just who you, yes. You've got a deficiency of serotonin and you need to take this medication. Rubbish, rubbish. Yeah, it's who you are. That's such a common one, definitely. Mm. Yeah, I I just worked with a young person who actually, she'd watched a TV program, um, I believe it's called GP Behind Doors or something. I don't even know what it is. And she said to me, oh, but it's just who I am, Jane. I saw it on the TV program. The doctor said it. Mm. Okay. Yeah, well, I suppose there's a lot of those messages and there's a lot of kind of lack of education around things like trauma that actually are the the root of things. And Mm. um, so if someone is thinking, I mean, can we talk about some other examples of trauma that people might have experienced that could kind of lead up to anxiety? Yeah, um, so, so, okay, so there's the pregnancy. So it's always really interesting if your mum can remember and in a very compassion-filled way to just chat with her and say, oh, you know, what was going on? Can you remember um, how life was? So if you discover, um, oh, yes, actually, you know, your father or whoever her partner was and was threatened with redundancy at the time and, and maybe they did a very uh, stressful job themselves. Maybe they were, I don't know, a social worker or a police officer or something. Um, it begins to give you more of an insight into your history. Um, also the birth. So what a lot of people don't know, and even lots of medical people don't know this, is if you experience a traumatic birth, then your system has a, has a recollection of that. Of that, you know, so it, it, it can be then that you find yourself... Um, I don't know, for example, somebody grabbed, you know, mucking about and they pull your arm from behind. Well, that could very well trigger a memory in your whole system of being yanked out by your arm or a smell in the environment or a taste or a sound or a sight. So the birthing process, definitely. Um, and how able the adults around the baby are to respond to them so sometimes you know if a woman's been through a really really rough birth or even a not terribly rough birth it's quite you know you're a bit sort of in shock (laughs) especially if you're like me and you hadn't really thought it through (laughs) which is the story of my life um so you don't necessarily fall mad in love instantaneously with your baby like you see in the movies so that post period particularly if there has been a difficult birth, it may be that your levels of the bonding chemical oxytocin are quite low. So, <clears throat> and that, that also happens with anxiety. If we are very anxious, we tend to have slightly lower levels of oxytocin, which is actually an anti-anxiety chemical, and it's the bonding chemical. So again, this whole preparation thing is really super important. Um, so that, 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 that in and of itself, trauma, 
Um, but, you know, trauma with a small T, but still very significant. Mm. And then having adults, so maybe uh, your parents or whoever was bringing you up had to return to work really soon after your birth and you got put in daycare. Um, you know, babies are wired to be in, you know, with the people, the person they were inside of, primarily if it's possible, or the person who was around the whole time. That's what nature has intended because that's how the human race has survived. You keep close to the people who are going to protect you. So if we then put that baby or that one-year-old, which I know many of us have had to do in a setting with strangers, that's very stressful for them. Mm. So do you see what I mean? It's, yeah. it's like there's multiple ways growing up in a household where everyone, a child experiences their parents through the back of the screen. Um, either they're being photographed every two minutes or everybody's on screens and the child is put on the screen. All against nature, all the foundations of stress and anxiety. And when you talk about going against nature, I often think about how when we were evolving, we would have grown up in a tribe and yeah. there would have been lots of people to help with, you know, yeah. the babies up in the night and, yeah. you know, exactly. the family all around. And it's so we're so separated from mm. how we should be or kind of evolved to be yeah naturally. no you're right absolutely totally on the money yeah and um and I'm one I don't want people listening to this to sort of start to go into feeling guilty and that sort of thing because I think there's so much mum or par parental guilt anyway and just for people listening to know that you know people are doing everyone's doing their best aren't they with what they know at yeah. the time with the resources they've got at the time but I think it's about educating ourselves so that we maybe don't make the same mistakes as our parents made kind of bringing us up and we don't pass on the trauma to kind of the next generation, mm. but also people listening, be, be kind to yourself. Um, Absolutely. And I, I liked your, your distinction there about kind of little T trauma. Um, and for people that don't know little T trauma, am I right in saying that it'd be kind of these smaller events? Yeah. And a big, yeah, they, they, big trauma. Very, yeah. Big trauma could be, you know, family bereavement, or as you said, you know, um, something that we would recognize as abuse or, uh, yeah, just something very, a big one-off event. That, that's what people tend to think of as trauma. And they don't think about this drip, drip, drip in the background of the child's life, which is why then when we have a six-year-old who's behaving in a way that, that adults find difficult or an eight-year-old who's harming themselves, everyone's, you know, scratching their heads and, and looking for the, the problem in the child to fix the child. I, I don't do that. I work with parents and I, and I gently and compassionately walk them through this whole journey. We gather information and then, um, you know, I share stuff about the brain and then I help them have strategies to really support themselves in order to support the child. Because as you say, I mean, I have been such an imperfect parent, you know, uh, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I certainly didn't know this stuff when my son was little. Sadly, I wish I had. But what I discovered along the way is that the brain has capacity to rewire itself. So this is this is the most exciting thing. If you're a parent thinking, oh, my child's already this age and I've ruined them. And, you know, I, I've thought that many, many a time. Um, the Yeah, the joy is that if we are able to change then it allows for the child's, our brains and our children's brains to rewire. And we can have a totally different story moving forward. It takes time, but it's completely possible. That's good news. That's good news mm. to hear. Because mm. I, don't, I don't know where I read it. Maybe it was on one of, in one of your tweets, because I've been stalking you on Twitter, or maybe your <laughs> TED Talk. But you talked about kind of the, the rise of mental illness in children and that even babies are medicated for anxiety. Can that be real? It seems like. Yeah, in America, I don't know about in the UK, I find it really difficult to get statistics on medication here. But in America, the stats that I quote in my TED talk, yeah. Uh, yes, babies are medicated for anxiety and depression. Um, so 0 to 1. And then the, the numbers of, of go up alarmingly. As, as the children's ages do. Uh, it, they're very high levels of medication, and those statistics were a few years old that I used, so it will be worse in America. But we shouldn't kid ourselves that this isn't happening in the UK as well, because I know it is. And what's happening here is uh, loads and loads of misdiagnosis. 
because because um, physicians do not know they are not trained in early childhood trauma. It's not part of anything that a doctor or pediatrician has to study. So they don't know about the impact or, on early brain development and how that relates to behaviors, the vast, vast, vast majority. So the poor parents are desperately, you know, looking, how do I support my child? Um, I wonder if they have whatever the condition they think they might have, they will take them to a medical person who will, you know, have a checklist. Um, so, you know, it's, it's always good to get medical advice, but be informed yourself. <laughs> Be informed yourself. And yeah, it's it's very alarming to me and it's a very real thing. Children are being medicated. And the thing is the medication is not it's not good for them. It's not they're not half of it they're not even meant to have. They're, it's adult medication. So yeah, <laughs> a bit so of a worry. <laughs> it's quite scary. And so why do you think there's more mental illness in children? And what sort of things do you see? If you're working with some parents, what sort of things do you see and how do you help them? So if that's a really long question. That's okay. Um, okay, so what myself, but also the leading uh, trauma specialists and neuro trauma neuroscientists and neurophysiologists in the world are saying, are something you already mentioned, the lack of support for parents. So this lack of tribe, because the optimum environment for children to be raised in is to have easy access to four emotionally available, heavily underlined adults um so a big problem is isolation social isolation parents are isolated children are isolated and put on screens as babies every single piece of baby equipment you can buy every single even um bottles you can get a bottle with an attachment that you can clip a phone into i know you can get a thing you can strap over your body that you can wedge a bottle in so you can carry on working on your computer or be on your phone whilst your baby is getting fed. Mm. Uh, yeah, um, buggies, cots, chairs, potties, literally everything has screens. Okay, so in the olden days, <laughs> what we did was, not perfectly, but we had to interact with our children more because otherwise they just would trash the joint, you know. Uh, and I'm not saying it was easy, but you have to talk to your children. Mm. And this isn't happening. So, again, to go back to nature, nature wires in this strong connection to ensure the survival of the human race. When you disconnect children, you leave them in a state, a repetitive state of fear and overwhelm. So there you go. And then, you know, we, family breakup has a role to play in that. But it really does hinge from this disconnection and isolation for children. It's totally the opposite of what we should be doing. And then and then putting them into childcare. And, you know, I'm, and again, I'm not condemning anyone. I was a single parent. It, you know, it's, it's a nightmare navigating all of this, trying to earn money and, yeah, juggle all the balls. Um but it's a reality. I can't lie to people and say, oh, it's fine to do this because we're seeing the results. And also what's happening is because everybody is being given the message, everybody has to work. It means that nobody is very present in that child's life. Nobody that they're really connected to. So, again, that's against nature. Mm. And I imagine the amount of screens are going to just mm -hmm. get more and more you know I can't imagine we're going to use screens less in the future well, I don't know maybe there'll be I, I like don't a know. backlash <laughs> I'm hoping for a backlash but um the thing with screens is that they're very 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 addictive particularly to children who have very underdeveloped brains so if you if you think about it okay children absent adults who are stressed or adults who are present but very very stressed so children are, we're all energy to energy beings. So they're, ooh, then you give them something to look at that, that makes them not feel their stress or their feelings anymore. And what also happens is they get released, the feel-good chemical dopamine. Oh, and then we have, you know, we have a chemical link to this piece of metal or whatever it is. Mm. Uh, and then we really have a problem because when you take it away, boom, they suddenly feel all their feelings and they feel uncomfortable and they scream the place down. 
So then put it back. If you're in a public place, you'll, you'll give them the screen back pretty quick. So it's really up to people like you, Chloe, Chloe, who are going on to have the next generation to take a stand yourself, take responsibility yourself, and not keep doing it. Mm. And that sounds so simple, and I know it's not. <laughs> and, I, and I don't think I would have been great if I had had screens when my son was little because they make you feel, oh, you know, when you're stressed and maybe a bit bored or whatever, it, it's really hard not to just reach for that little bit of stimulation and take you away from it all. So, mm. But it really, really, really is down to the next raft of parents to, to say, do you know what? I'm not having this in my child's life. They don't need it. They don't need it. Absolutely. So, okay. So, so supposing person listening is a, a parent and they're thinking, oh no, I've, you know, maybe done some of these things. What can, what can someone do if they want to reverse this in their children or kind of if they know their child might be traumatized or they're anxious, what can be done at that point? Yeah. Well, so the, the first thing is to, is to get support yourself and to begin to understand what is happening in you. So if we focus completely on the child, we're missing the point of the story, which is you. You know, people are always trying to send me their children to be fixed, but I will work with the adults. So it's about understanding the mechanisms behind stress, behind anxiety, behind trauma, recognizing when you are operating from this place of fight, flight or freeze, and how is daily life? Okay, get this, get that, da, 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 you know, and really, really embracing a different way of living that means for, from the minute you wake up in the morning, as you're lying in your bed, even if the children are about to leap on you, you with the children, you say, okay, let's all just do our tummy breathing. <sighs> so before you get out of bed, you're down-regulating your systems, even better if it's with them. Mm. And, and paying attention to these small moments of taking a breath, checking in with yourself, bringing yourself, I'm moving my body around because that's, that's the best thing, back to a state of calmness. When you are calm, then you're in your intelligent brain, you can be relational and emotional. When you're stressed, you can't. You see the difference? So mm. it, it begins with us. And you know, for children that, so we might be thinking, gosh, oh, my child, you know, was born by cesarean and then this happened and that happened. Okay, so looking at what what soothes your child apart, apart from maybe screens, is there anything else that they do? Do they like to sing? Do they like to dance? Do they, so we're looking for things that aren't too energetic, that bring them back to a place of rhythm, but in an intentional way. So what I always advise parents is, do, do, can your children tolerate massage? You know, if they can, and, and some children are very, very stressed, they can't. Mm. So you might have to start with a finger. <laughs> or if they're young, then you can teach them to massage Teddy or massage the dog mm. or probably not the cat. That won't work so well. <laughs> <laughs> but something where they're getting into a kind of slow rhythm and integrate more of that into daily life. If they can't tolerate you touching them, then teach them themselves how they can just massage their hand, turn it into a game. Anything like that that's bringing their whole nervous system and their whole brain back to a place of safety is, is a great start. Yeah, and I love those kind of tips that are very physical. And I know you've spoken about how we need to kind of address anxiety with our bodies because mm -hmm. I think you, you mentioned that we can't intellectualize anxiety. Can you explain more about what you mean by that? Yeah, it's, again, I, I always have to learn everything the hard way. So like you, I've been in, I've been in uh, talk therapies and all that kind of thing. But then I started coming across uh, research that talks about we have to engage the body and the brain because our intellectual brain, which is our, which is our upper brain, when we're very anxious, we don't spend much time in it. So we can be the most intelligent person on the planet, but when we're, when we're very anxious, we're in our survival brain, which, as you know, is our meerkat brain, um, or, or and our middle brain, which is our emotional memory brain. So we get overwhelmed by emotion all the time. Anxiety is all about, <gasps> what if? Oh, no, this might go wrong. 
oh, but, but, you know, on the way to the train station, there might be a traction, I might get delayed, and there might not be a parking space, and there might not, ah, that's all irrational. Mm. Somebody's saying to you at that point, you just need to calm down and think calm thoughts. You'll probably want to punch them in the face <laughs> because your intelligent brain, which for me is the monkey brain, is offline. If somebody says to you, okay, I don't know if this is of any help to you, but I'm just going to take a deep breath bring myself back to a place of calmness and I'm just going to put some weight down in, in my seat and in my feet as I'm driving the car. <sighs> wow. What does that feel like to be so scared about the tractor? Hmm. Then you're going for down regulation. You're soothing down the survival brain. Or for me, that's the little meerkat. You're connecting with some feelings and then you've brought your thinking brain back online. But unfortunately, when, we, when we're anxious, the, the, the intelligent brain, especially the most intelligent part at the front, is completely offline. Mm. So, you know, if we could all just go, oh, do you know what? I, I just think I won't be anxious today. It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? <laughs> but we know that it doesn't work. And, and actually talking repeatedly with another person about the causes of your anxiety, later on that can be fantastic. But first of all, you need resource, You need inside resources. Mm. Otherwise, if people start talking to you about things that make you anxious, guess what? Make you anxious. <laughs> definitely, definitely. It's so it's so true how that happens. How, I mean, I speak to a lot of people that find it really hard to make decisions because they're so anxious because mm. their rational brain isn't in the Gone. in the loop, and you know who can't concentrate, and it's all because yeah, we're we're in fight or flight and it's hard to focus when we're when we're in that state and you can't yeah I, I like I like the quote no um no one in the history of being asked to calm down has anyone ever actually calmed down <laughs> doesn't work does it's it? the most insulting always really good to do to small children as well yeah. you know their brains are not fully formed until they're like in their mid-20s so yeah. calm down yeah 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 come <laughs> over there and think about why you did that Free. Do you know how much upper brain I have? It's like, but we all do it. We've all done these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so using our bodies, trying to ground, take deep breaths. Mm. I know you talked about. Do you do yoga? Is that something that you? Yeah, every morning of my life, Mm. um, I do yoga at home. I'm not a fan of groups, uh, but that's just personal. That's just me. Mm. But yes, I 99% of the time I do, even if it's five minutes. It's usually it's usually longer than that, but. Yeah, I, ha- I have a whole routine in the morning because otherwise I know that I'm not as friendly, as intelligent, as thoughtful um, as I can be. And I just got to a point where I was so sick of being anxious. And, and the things it becomes, it, we believe that's who we are. Mm. And that's when we're all really in trouble. And it, and it breaks my heart when I, I watch that panorama uh, program the other night and there were young people on there saying oh yeah I have this and and they've been told you have this and it's a done deal at 12 but it's not mm. it's not it's I, I'm living proof having had high anxiety since probably before I was born I now have times of stress but I can rescue myself back but you know it doesn't happen by magic I put the work in and it's become part of who I am. It's not something, oh, now it's my yoga time. Now it's my, it's just how I roll. You know, you'll see me on a train and I might be doing who knows what, if I've got room, um, to ground myself because maybe something or someone around me has triggered me uh, and I can feel it. So the more that you start to connect with your body, you you then can sense, oh, I don't like this. I can't sit there. Now I'm a nightmare if I go in a restaurant because I'm so tuned into my body system, my brain is, that if somebody says, oh, would you like to sit there, I'll move towards it and my whole system will go, oh, no. So I'll have to sit there. Mm, mm. So th- this is the exciting thing is that if you if you do the work, you can, you can get to this state. Um, and I also use, I, I've just been trained in something called quantum energy coaching, which is insane and I love it. Um, I do something else called tension release exercises. It's all about regulation and changing our subconscious beliefs. Yeah. So our conscious beliefs are, I can do this and I'm really calm. Your subconscious belief will be, 
but you're not really, are you? And you always stuff up and you always say the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And <laughs> tension release exercises, that, is that TRE or is that something different? TRE, yeah. Yeah. Which I love. I think, I think TRE is incredibly powerful. I think it might be the missing piece of the puzzle for a lot of people and anxiety. Can you just briefly explain what it is? For yeah, sure. So, um, so I discovered it, I don't remember. Oh, actually, somebody said to me, you need to go to this workshop. And so the idea of, um, sometimes they call it trauma release exercises or tension release exercises, is that everything we do all day long has an energy to it. We have a response to it. So, you know, if I say we end this call and I suddenly think, oh, my God, I didn't do blah, 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 I'll go like that. Mm. <laughs> and then I'll run downstairs or whatever. Um, if, uh, yeah, if I then trip over another lot of energy and it all gets locked in our nervous system, in our bodies, and we get socialized as from children not to do the natural release mechanism, which is to shake. So some of us, when we're going through really bad periods of anxiety, we can feel inside all the time that we're shaking. Mm. And sometimes it's visible. You know, I look around me sometimes and I can see people and their, their bodies are actually, and what, and what our systems are trying to do is release all this. Mm. And, so, and, you know, many of us sleep like this. Many of us sleep like this. Broken teeth, cracked teeth. So it, this is ongoing. So what TRE does is very carefully, it re- allows you to have control over releasing some of the shaking. And um, I, I didn't actually get my certificate in the end. It's a very long story, but I am trained in it. And I, I do it myself every night before I go to sleep. Right. So my body's so sensitive to shaking now. I just have to put my legs in a certain position when I'm lying down and my body will really start to, and it, and it looks really weird, but it feels great. <laughs> I can stop it whenever I want. And I sleep like a lot, you know, like a log. Mm-hmm. Um, then on the back of that, I got introduced to quantum energy coaching. So TRE is fantastic, but it's not enough. It's not enough because you can do all that. But then if you go back to your subconscious beliefs, which are the ones that we all got given when we were little, mm. oh, but Chloe, you always, you always do this or you know, you, you, you shouldn't do that because it upsets people or, you know, I actually, I think now I talk too much when I, when I was at that party or that's the stuff that makes us anxious, actually. And what quantum energy coaching does is it goes in and it gets rid of those beliefs and you can install new beliefs for life. Mm. So the two together are the, the perfect package for me. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds really, really interesting. Um, Okay, so we talked a bit about kind of how to cover a lot of ground here. I love it. Um, We talked a bit about how to kind of beat anxiety with your body and physical things you can do. Just kind of going back, because I think there's probably two two types of people listening to this podcast. So people who are parents or new parents are thinking about being parents. And then people who have anxiety and they know that they've been traumatized in their childhood. And they're thinking, what can I actually do about this? Is there anything else that we haven't discussed already? Maybe have covered it already, but um, if you think, oh, I've, you know, my mum left me to cry or um, something yeah, like that. There's, there is so much, to be honest. I'd probably talk for about three weeks on it. Right. <laughs> um, but it's, it's trusting. Okay, so the big change for me came. I've done lots of intellectualizing of all of this for many, 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 many years. And I intellectually got it I got the science as much as one can blah 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 um but the change came when I started to befriend my body so when we're anxious we live out there we are a mere cat up a watchtower waiting for the next thing or anticipating or looking on the horizon uh, that's anxiety mm. uh I started doing some yoga nidra it's called which is very calm very connecting with the body and i had a very unpleasant experience actually um but what it made me realize so basically i was having a session and the yoga teacher said oh because i had a lot of pain down my left side which is all to do with trauma should we try putting a weight on your left side she put a sandbag on my left side and i freaked out and i started to shut down dissociate 
panic. It was horrible. Mm. So she whipped it off. Um, but then I was curious. I thought, yeah, I, d- I don't want this to be it. So I said to her, let me try. Let me try very carefully and slowly. And I can feel my body responding as I'm moving my hands towards it to put that on. And so I was in control and I trusted that my body would respond. And you know what? I then fell in love with my body. And I was like, whoa, this this thing <laughs> that I have ignored for most of my life is jam-packed full of resources. So I began to learn more about the body systems. I began to, you know, just work out simple things to do, you know, just swaying from foot to foot will down-regulate my body system. And that's when it all changed for me. So this is all available to anybody. The only caveat I would put in is that you need help. You need support because when we have lived up here all our lives in a state of, you know, anticipation and fear, and then we start to connect with our bodies, which we can't possibly know the history of all of it, because what happens just before we're verbal, we don't recall in that way, but it's in there as a memory. Mm. Um, it can be very triggering. So even doing something like breathing into your belly can for some people make them panic. So I, yeah, I, I've had support. I've done things very carefully, very slowly. Um, I have had times when I've done, you know, like TRE, I did one workshop and I uh, dissociated, so completely shut down three times in a row. But luckily I had somebody with me to bring me back to safety. Mm-hmm. So it all needs, it, it sounds like, oh yeah, we'll just skip off into the sunset. But yeah, it's really good to have somebody to support you. Then you can learn these techniques and then and then you can use them for life. It's amazing. That's what I love. I don't want people coming back, you know, for like 10 years. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So knowing that you don't need to do it on your own and getting that support mm. and having a bit of structure around addressing whatever trauma you might have experienced and working through it. And I like what you said before about kind of the energy getting stuck in your body almost. And mm. that's what I really sensed when I was having a lot of anxiety and panic attacks and was thinking yeah. that it was in my body. This, you know, there's no. It wasn't, right. didn't feel like a psychological thing. It was like my body was responding to something about not feeling safe or out of control mm. or, you know, something from the past. And um, yeah, there are ways to kind of process that and move past yeah, it. Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be a forever thing. That's my abiding message to everybody, whether it's you, your children, your partner. It is possible to, yes, have stress. We all get stressed. You know, every time I travel, I get a certain degree of stress, but nowhere near like I used to because I've done some QVC around it. So Mm. whereas I used to get very anxious about traveling, now I just get a bit stressed, which is quite normal. Mm. Um, Yeah, I I think having, having, I mean, I'm a lot older than you and I've kind of, I've come through the other side of it. And now I'm like, it's literally like being in in a new magical land of possibility. And that's what I want to get to people is, do not think that because you've been anxious, say you're 34, and you think, well, I've been anxious all my life. Blah, blah, blah. So, But you don't have to be. You really mm. don't have to be. And mm. please don't let people trap you in that box and trap yourself in that box. Absolutely. Um, one more question, and then I'll let yeah. you go. Before I just <laughs> I could question you for several <laughs> hours, I'm sure. But um, So in one of your videos, you were talking about baby arms and also smiling. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, uh, yeah, now somewhere. I know what you mean. I read your question. I was like, <laughs> baby arm smiling. But now, uh, yeah, okay. Can you explain so, what that is? <laughs> yeah, so um, I've done a series of uh, just little videos. Like wherever I am in a hotel room, I sometimes I just film a little thing that pops in my head. So they're not very great lighting or anything. But when a baby sleeps, if a baby feels safe, they sleep with their arms back. I don't know if you can see me on the screen. But their arms back like this. And they breathe down to their bellies because that's where the relaxation part of our body is. That's normal for a baby to sleep like that. We spend most of our modern day life like this Hunched on a over. phone, on a computer. I can feel it now straight away. My you know central system has just gone like that. My psoas muscles just pulled me in. This is this is the threat position. Okay. This is the safe position. Yeah. So if there was a really loud bang outside my house now or in my house, I, I'm, you know, I'm still susceptible to that from my childhood. I would go, ah! 
like that. Mm. And that's our threat response, okay? Because then we offer our hard shell to the world. But if we are in daily life, if we're driving like this and we're on a computer and we're on a phone and we're hunched over a desk, we're repeatedly telling our brain and body that we're about to be eaten. We're under threat. We're going to die. So it's really important if you are working anything leaning forward that, you know, I to get in the habit of this, I would set an alarm on my phone every half an hour to just and do it very carefully because when we have a lot of anxiety, we have very um, tight muscles and tight neck and tight backs, which is why so many people say, oh, I just reach for a pencil. I've wrenched the whole of my back. Who knew? Mm. Very, very common with anxiety to have. I mean, if you're anxious, you have loads and loads of other physical conditions, irritable bowel, um, breathing sensitivities, skin sensitivities, back pain, shoulder pain, neck pain, um, often inflammatory, fibromyalgia, mm. lots of other inflammatory conditions, tension, headaches, migraines. It all, it all comes with the territory of living like this. Um, so, yeah, a little break. But, again, moving on arms really everything you should do really slowly and carefully to see if your body likes it so just sorry um just for people who aren't watching the video because most people are probably listening to this on itunes oh yeah the baby arms they're kind of it's almost like if someone says stick them up and they've got a gun pointing at you that's not a good example but you've got your hands kind of by ears uh the yoga the yoga person i watch on youtube she talks about cactus arms so it's it's raising your hands up and imagining that you have become a a cactus so you're always almost making an l shape with your arms and opening your chest Mm. Mm. Yeah, and then take a few well. breaths. <sighs> Does yeah. feel good, actually. Does feel good. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. But again, do it really carefully. Mm-hmm. And then the thing about smiling is, so people say to me, uh, well, you know, I don't feel very happy. It's not about being happy. It's great if you can feel happy sometimes. We don't all feel happy all the time. We're not meant to. But it turns out we have a whole muscle system in our face, which is connected down into our body. So when we turn the corners of our mouth up, so sometimes if I'm super stressed and I can't even make myself do the other stuff because I've just got myself in such a tears, I will just walk around the house with the corners of my mouth turned up, you know, on my own, obviously, <laughs> because I know that that's connecting down in my body to my rest and digest area. And it will bring some level of grounding and regulation and safety what do I do when I wake up in the morning? First thing I do is I, I, I do a smile mm. because I know it's like switching on already a level of safety, calmness. Now, none of this is magic wand stuff. You have to keep doing it to establish the pathways. But the more you do it, the more it pays you back and back and back and back. I love those tips. Really practical, really simple things people can be doing. But you need to kind of stick with it. It sounds like it's not that you just yeah do it no, once no. and you're cured. Like Absolutely everything not. in life, no, Chloe. No, you've yeah. got to keep doing it every all through the day. You know, if I'm talking to often when I'm on Skype, um, if I'm doing a long interview, I'll, I'll maybe start standing on one leg and you know because I'm trying to regulate myself. Mm. If I do a lot of radio interviews, and as you know, you know some of the people that interview and TV, I've been on with Piers Morgan. Uh, you have to regulate yourself throughout when somebody's verbally attacking you mm. live. <laughs> um, so I'll be doing all sorts, you know, under the desk or while I'm standing to just keep in my intelligent brain and not get into fight, flight, freeze. Fascinating. I told you all my tricks. Fascinating. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd want to be shouted at my Pierce Morgan. I don't know. It's not nice, but you know what? <laughs> good for you. Someone's got a, yeah, I'm a not good fight. oh well thank you so much for talking to me it's been really really interesting I think people are going to take a lot from this can you tell us where people can find out more about you your website and social media and that sort of thing sure um so my website is all the w's dot the janeevans.com if you find my blogs on there there's loads of blogs around all of these topics uh Twitter, I'm very busy on Twitter, generally, as you know. Uh, it's at Jane Parenting with a number two on the end. Uh, Facebook, I have a Harness Stressful Success group that you can join. I've also got Parenting Beyond Anxiety page. Mm. 
Uh, I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn also. Um, but yeah, those are, those are my main ones. And as you know, I share stuff all the time. I really want people to get this stuff and, and feel able to do something about it. Brilliant. And I'll put all those links in the show notes for people that want to click through to that. Um, anyway, thank you very much. I'm going to do some cactus arms and little baby <laughs> arms just to kind of get ready for my next Skype session. Oh. But um, it was really lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. And, um, thank you for having me. I, I'm really excited that we had this opportunity. Great. Thank you so much and have a, have a good day. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.